What's poppin', what's poppin', what's poppin'? Welcome to Get Moose, I'm Nikki, that's Moose. What's up, Moose? What up, y'all? And on this episode, we're talking about building a business in the creator economy. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Of course, we're also gonna be talking about transparency. And I'm talking about inside of your business. How much, when, what should we do? How do we really be transparent? We're gonna talk about it. And how much should you invest in branding? We're gonna talk about 70K spent on branding? What did we, huh, how? Let's talk about it. And then the different entry points of the creator economy. Moose, how we feel about this episode? Yeah, I like this, man. Hey, if you're gonna win in this economy, specifically the creator economy, you gotta know which is your style. And we got a little question slash assessment that is gonna help y'all figure that out. Let's get into this intro. Two kids from Queens, cut from a different cloth. Now joining forces, helping you to elevate your personal brand. Yeah, I'm talking about Nikki and Moose, bringing you a never before seen perspective into the mindset, the mentality, the behaviors, the driving force, but more importantly, the stories behind the people and brands that you know and love the most. And of course, this episode is powered by Ecamm Live. Now, there has been a recent update where YouTube Live is now going to be vertical. You're allowed to do vertical and it's going to be on the shorts form. And you know what can do that? Ecamm Live. So now Ecamm Live can do YouTube shorts vertical while doing it on Instagram, while doing it on Facebook, while doing it on LinkedIn, all together for the maximum exposure. Plus, it's still great for podcasting, presenting, video isolation, audio isolation. I could name all the benefits, adding comments to your Instagram live. Ecamm can do it all. And we're giving away 14 days for free. If you go to www.nickyandmoose.com slash Ecamm, that's E-C-A-M-M, for that 14-day trial. Let's go. Moose, how we feeling? Man, I'm feeling pretty good. Um, shout out to everyone who is doubting that I am uh, moving to LA or uh, no longer a Yankee fan because I invested in a, a Dodger blue hat. I just like the Dodger blue. I was like, yo, I kind of like that blue, you know? So I we're wanted to keep it, it a, a f- you were wearing I was wearing it. a lot, but it was it was new. You know, when you get something new and you're like, yo, I just want to wear the heck out of it. So my bad, I, I maybe OD'd a little bit, but yeah, no, man, Yankee fan until the day I die. Uh, just the Dodger blue was was a bit captivating to me, and I wanted another baseball hat. I didn't want a trucker hat. I didn't want, you know, dad hat. I wanted a baseball hat. So I was like, right, I'm going to get the fitted. We'll go Dodger blue. Um, the Mets just don't have the same, like the Mets and the Knicks don't have the same shade of blue. Mm. I don't know. Something about their blue is just not the same blue. So anyway, back in the, in the New York uh, Yankee official, this is the black, not the blue, but still back here. Uh, the hat's out the bag. Um, for those of you going back to last week's episodes, who was like, what the heck are all these reactions and faces going on? Um, I think my, at least my, my, my cat is officially out the bag. My surprise, my news, uh, we are officially expecting, God willing, our second child, uh, later this year. 
yeah, yeah. So uh, that reaction that you saw last week from Knicks, I sent her the pick uh, that, I, that I ended up sharing later in the week. Um, it was so cute. You know, I wanted, yeah, I wanted to get her reaction on camera of our little one holding, you know, her sibling sonogram, essentially. So that's what that was about. So uh, shout out to everyone who showed love. And I don't know that your, your, nope. yours, yours is not It's only officially. on the after show. It's only on yeah, the after yeah. show. Yeah, that's crazy. So for those of you, uh, you know. Public private person. You feel me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've come a long way. Like the fact that I'm actually sharing some more public stuff than the Knicks, that's kind of, it's a big, it's a big, it's a big jump, you know? It's a big jump. Look at you. Look at yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a good time. Um, but other than that, uh, things are good, man. Uh, we have a, a good amount of our extreme execution coaches. Not a good amount, like a good, a good 10 people out here this weekend uh, doing uh, uh, essentially a, a full-blown attraction and media day, which we're kind of excited about. It's something new that we're trying out in the program. And it's really cool because it's, it's taken a tremendous pressure off of me because one of the lessons that I'm learning is that when you're just honest with people, when you're telling them the absolute truth about what you're doing, because it's no surprise, right? We, we put together a new program, which is really the next level of extreme execution for coaches and consultants who've been with us for a while. A lot of them have been asking, well, what's the next thing? You know, like what comes after extreme execution? Other coaching programs, they have different levels that you can acquire, right? Like I know some people who do different color belts. They almost embody the karate mentality or the, you know, MMA concept and you can get certified and achieve new levels or new color belts or whatnot. And for us, it's like, it's not really about that, but there is a component of business scale that we feel we can contribute to people. And so we piloted this program with a group of about 10 people. And so a lot of them are asking questions because it's such an intimate space, right? So it's like, if you come down to New York, New Jersey, and we're driving together and I'm taking you to a Dominican restaurant that's local to here, and I'm telling you, yeah, you should eat here and do this and stay at this hotel. It's a different experience. You can do that because it's so small for one, but on top of that, I think what they're appreciating is just how honest I am about behind the scenes of the program, behind the scenes of the company, what we're trying to do, what we're trying to achieve, why we're not doing certain things. And so it was just really a good reminder to me that being honest with people when you're building something collectively with them in mind and literally side by side with them, people will appreciate it because a lot of times you might feel like, man, I don't want to let them know that this is a pilot program to some extent, or they are the first cohort, because it's not a pilot program, but it's, they are the first cohort to go through this experience. You might feel some type of ways that, you know, you want to hold back from them. But I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm keeping it real with you. Like what you get is what you get. This is exactly what we're doing. And we haven't thought about what we'll do next time because you guys are our main focus. So overall, tremendous uh, positive feedback as a result of that approach, just a great reminder for me. And I'm like, man, a lot of other business owners, program directors, people who are, you know, building brands or whatnot, especially putting together their curriculums, they should be thinking about that and keep it in mind. Sometimes you want to portray that perfect thing. And you might think that that's what's going to really help people and convince them or resonate with them. But nah, man, the truth is people really appreciate the honesty of what you're doing, what you're going through, and where you're trying to go with them, they uh, they definitely appreciate that a lot more. 
Yeah, transparency goes goes a long way. It, it, it also creates like that loyalty type vibe because it feels like they're doing it with you. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty dope. Like yeah, that that's exactly you. what it is. Yeah. I like that for you. Okay. Uh, for me, I've been... So when I go, not necessarily to the grocery store, I definitely Instacart everything in my life, right? But uh, there's this soda brand that keeps popping up, which is Olipop. Have you tried that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's a, it's a favorite in our household, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to know a little bit more about it because I'm like, where did you come from? Right? So uh, CNBC, they have their YouTube channel. They have the series like Make It. Right? And so... It had it has two co-founders, which is Ben uh, Goodwin and David Lester, and they started their company with like a hundred k. Now that's that's a lot, right? But they had a uh, uh, already healthy soda that they tried already. It was called like Obi, and it didn't work out the way they wanted to, so they sold it. So they had that money. The thing that really took like my interest is that with that 100k guess how much they spend on branding so tell me this is like a kanye setup real quick where they spent the whole hundred on branding and i'm, I'm just asking i'm just asking questions okay i'm saying i'm i'm saying 90 i'm saying 90 grand branding so 70 okay so, right. so up there. 70k yeah. on branding and 30k on like the formula Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I put it on threads the uh, today where I was like, OK, so they spent 70K on the branding out of their 100K and they made last year about 200 million. Wow. And yet we are trying to go to Fiverr for the cheapest logo and video mm-hmm. editor. I'm like yeah. 70 out of a hundred. 70%. You, right. Yeah, you should just look at it like that. 70%, whatever your budget is, 70% of that going to branding. That's what the equivalent is. So now it gets me curious about like, okay. So if I look at other companies that are really successful lately, of course they, they do play an effort into, you know, Gen Z, uh, you know, going on social media, showing different ways that you can drink the actual soda because they make different situations with it. But I want to see how much money companies spend on their uh, marketing and branding now, because not only did this company like took over when it comes to a trend because gut health started to become a trend. Everybody wanted to know more about it and their soda totally is about gut health, right? And they did that. They allowed influencers to do their thing. And it's crazy how successful they are by putting so much on branding, right? They, they started with 40 stores starting out to now they're almost at 30,000 stores. Wow. Right. All because, let me go find 
uh, a healthier soda that goes more towards uh, gut health. And let's put our money into making, we already did a soda. It didn't pop the way it should. And so if we're going to go against, let's say the Cokes and the Pepsis and that whole nine, the branding got to be up to par. I, I think that's being realistic with looking at competitors. And if I got to stand out, it's not about, are we the better product? Are we looking like the better product? It's, it's, it goes, it's funny because before this, I was watching Mr. Beast's latest video and he announced new feasibles, right? Which literally is just a rebrand. So the, it's so weird because, and we'll get into this probably a little bit later, where he goes, he has like a fake meeting. And he's like, we've been saying that we taste better than Hershey's, but everybody tastes better than Hershey. So that doesn't mm -hmm. make us stand out, right? So we want to be the best in the world. So they made it. Now they claim that they're the best tasting chocolate. They did taste tests and they recorded it. Now they got, it's funny because they showed all these people, but then they highlighted like, I don't know, five, of course. It's like, all right, see, we taste, taste tested it. We're the best. Now we got new packaging. We got new flavors. We get, I love what he's doing. I love the commercial that he did, right? Because he invested in the branding. He already has the distribution. It's all, it's like everywhere in, in Walmart, right? But the fact that he, he always invests so much in branding and the content, mm. I'm just like, if we're if we're really looking at trying to be successful when our company is trying to really be successful we have to invest in in the content we have to invest in the branding we have to invest in the advertising to even stand the chance to truly stand out like it's cool to do it in an organic way absolutely but if we are trying to get in millions, then where is the money really going to? So it was just really eye-opening to kind of see how much they spent on that and then really starting to look at other people and what they're doing and, and things like that. It's just like, okay, you know what? Touche. Touche. Mm -hmm. Yeah gotta gotta up this game now that's it for real yeah it's not always the better product that wins man that's the that's the interesting thing about it i don't think i don't think it ever is and it actually is a nice transition to our next topic so uh moose brought this to my attention well we all saw this i made fun of it and then uh moose was like yo they did a longer clip so our lovely uh, Facebook founder, Mark Zuck, did a video, and maybe Isaiah could put it, put it up, where it was talking about the Vision Pro, right? Saying, you know what? I tried the Vision Pro, and uh, you know what? It's not the better one. And we made fun of it, I think, on the live. Like, of, of course you're not going to say that 
the Vision Pro is better than your product. It's just not. So he went on, I guess, did an interview, and this is also why he said what he said. I do think that there's this whole vibe with Apple fanboys, which I, I find funny. And a lot of people just get upset if you dare to question if Apple is going to lead in a new space. So I just saw all the media coverage around this it was just sort of breathlessly assuming that, you know, I think because it's Apple and because it was such an expensive product, like it must be, you know, the better one. I don't know. I just wanted to kind of put my flag down and say, hey, no, you know, just because this thing costs seven times more, it doesn't mean it's better. Go, go before res, I go. Res, respect to the Zucks. No, I'm, I actually respect that because, you know, there's a Mark Zuckerberg is coming out with uh, a little bit of some competitive juices right there saying, hey, uh, Apple probably is one of the best branded companies in the entire world. Quite frankly, the, the, you cannot compete against it. Uh, but he is saying, well, just because you're the better branded company, maybe you don't have the best product, which really is just proof to what we're saying, that sometimes the best product doesn't win out. Sometimes, heck, not even the more affordable product wins out. So it's not always the best product or the better price. It really is what brand is able to capture people's attention and emotion with the way they talk about what they can do. And so I think Apple just has that cool-esque attached to it something about and we've covered it right we've talked about it in a, some episodes in the past the way the packaging and that slow pull effect that creates that magnetic field and by the way i just threw out remember i told you i had like 10 apple box legit a couple weeks ago we did a, a nice declutter it was probably more than 10 boxes not even gonna lie but anyway <laughs> they're all out now but yeah no it definitely speaks to that though that not always the better product wins out a lot of the times it's the better branded product that captured people's attention and they've run with them I and mean, you got to think about it almost two decades of that dominance where they they've stayed on top with design and branding storytelling etc so i i get why he's doing it but furthermore to the point about not the better product always winning out is what i want to make sure we highlight here too so it's I almost am thinking like, okay, so what you have the better product? Like, so like that's, that, that's how I feel right now with mm -hmm. when it comes to uh, the meta quest and the vision pro and, and just a lot of things, right? What Apple doesn't necessarily, that doesn't necessarily sell is the better product. They sell status. They sell mm -hmm. a feeling, right? And so they sell acceptance and making people look at you just a little bit different. They sell that. Absolutely. Now, the fact that their products can do some really dope stuff in the meantime. Absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. um, as long as you could do the foundation and you make me look good doing it. Sure. Why not? Right. Now, mm -hmm. if we think about... Uh, iPhone and Android, of course, it's been proven. Android comes out with the features first. They do it. It looks great, sounds great, all that. And 90% of the time, no one cares. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was just about to say, just the way in which he went about it 
shows why Apple is the better branded company, right? Like <clears throat> the video, the, the video itself, super regular video, just doing a review. You're the CEO, founder and CEO, might I add, yeah. of Meta. If you really wanted to make this a bigger thing, you could have put a little bit more touch into it, not make it so simple. Right. So I think this goes deeper into the example of and I just thought this about this now that even the delivery about showing what product is better, because I look. As someone who is involved in business, I totally agree with what he's saying. The idea of, hey, I don't appreciate the fanboys just bowing down to Apple and instantly making them the category kings when we've been in this space for a minute, right? It's like, hey, hey, I, re I respect that, Mark. Like, say it with your chest and, and take ownership of your lane. You want to do that. But what we're speaking to here is even that could have been a better branded or better storytelling could have went into that to showcase that Apple, or excuse me, that the, uh, now I forget the, the name of their product, the Medical. Oculus. Yeah. Yeah, or that, it's is better than Vision Pro, right? Like the clapback could have been better branded, I guess is probably a better way to say it. So this is where, because Zuck is now starting to get into the world of personal branding. So he has to show up on mm -hmm. social media. That's something that's not very natural to him. So he's actually doing it a little bit, even though he should, he should have a team that really helps him in this presence, maybe that team is saying, hey, while everybody goes this way uh, from a regular smegular situation, the CEOs of these big companies don't necessarily have to show up in this super like uh, perfect vibe, mm -hmm. high def vibe, right? We look at Elon who continuously comes out with stuff now he hides behind his words with with x or twitter or whatever right um but maybe his situation was i'm just gonna come out as organic as i can because at the end of the day this video is not making me money like mm -hmm. i'm not in the creator economy like y'all right? right but i'm in it from a standpoint that i know this is going to bring me leads. This is going to bring brand awareness and conversation. So I don't necessarily have to work on the production, which for some of us would probably would have appreciated it. My thing is more of, once again, of course you're not going to say Vision Pro is the better product. Mm -hmm. I don't like, you're not necessarily credible you're not. I don't. Yeah. I don't I, now, granted, I have the Vision Pro. I've stated it multiple times. It's not there yet, right? It just came out. I would say give it a couple of updates. That thing will be worth talking about on a regular. Absolutely, right? The 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 Oculus Quest has been around for years. So yeah, yeah they have a leg up if you want to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the situation. But the fact that a brand like Apple is in now this, this world, this VR world, it's being talked about. And unfortunately, 
it leaves majority of the competitors in the back burner because it's the new kid on the block. No one's sitting here honestly saying that it's the better product. It is the newest product. We like new toys and we like to see how people react to the new toys, how it's used on a regular situation. Because honestly, I haven't seen a MetaQuest 3 used outside. I haven't I haven't seen that. Um but I've seen the Vision Pro being used and advertised outside. I've seen Apple lean into influencers to show how it is used on a regular day basis whereas uh Meta doesn't do you are the platform of millions of influencers and you don't lean into them for some of your products which is very weird a prime example is their ai situation meta ai you don't hear about that no more you don't hear that it can make pictures you don't hear that you can use it as a chat bot you don't hear nothing about meta ai because they haven't leaned they don't lean their products into a regular day situation with influencers. Apple is starting to do that. So, I mean, you even see it with uh, with how they integrate artists, how they, um, Marquez Brownlee was given, and multiple influencers were given the Vision Pro to do reviews. Mm-hmm. What is the, what is Meta doing? Mm-hmm. So, it also goes based off the the effort. Like you have effort on the main thing, which is the platforms. But now when you get into other different situations, to sit here and say, well, we're the better product. Maybe show us it show us how. The best kept mm. secret is still a secret. It's a bar. The saying. So, yeah, like, no, it may point. be. I, like it. I would love. Hey, uh, Zuck, if you hear me, come through. Send me one. Let me see. We'll do a comparison back and forth. I'll go outside with it. I haven't gone outside with none of that. I'll go outside. With, we'll see what what's the situation is. We'll break it all the way down. However, until then, the Vision Pro is going to get the most talk because just like how we've learned in contagious you got to create a price that's going to make people be like is that worth it we saw it with mm-hmm. the hundred dollar of philly cheesesteak in in the book mm-hmm. is it re- now people are buying it just to see if it's worth it that did that so boom plus it only attracts a certain amount of people because of the price tag so you almost look as like oh you're at a certain status if you are able to to cop that. Boom, it does that. Yes, there is, you know, benefits of making the everyday products. Yes, there is. You're able to make uh, a reoccurring revenue every single day, pretty much, because everybody can get it. Absolutely. But this is why we also have a Hermes. We also have a Louis Vuitton. We have 
so many other products, Gucci, Prada, they're not the better product, but they're still a staple in the culture. Apple is a staple in the culture. So you could sit and say it's not the better product, but until you become a super staple in the culture for a technology standpoint, not from a platform, not only just a social media platform stamp standpoint, but from a hardware technology standpoint, well, I don't know if we have much to talk about. Yeah, that's good, Nick. I like that perspective. That's really good. And, and, yeah. and listen, I, I, I loved when I had the Oculus too, when I still have it, I love the Oculus. I do. Don't get it twisted. It was a, it was a bit heavy, but unless it's sunglasses, I can't expect any VR headset to be like, oh, this is the lightest thing in the world. We're, we're very early stages of this. So I'm not expecting much. What we saw before were these big VR headsets before that were crazy heavy to now it's just like around our face. That's a big, it's a big upgrade. We still have a lot to go. It's still going to be a minute till it's glasses taking over till it's contacts taking over. We still have a lot, but there's so much respect to those people who are doing it. So there's much respect to Zuck. There's much uh, respect to Apple and those people who are trying to change it into something different and different experience. But I think it's corny to go, oh, well, it's not the better product. Boy, sit down. We don't expect you to, to like it. We don't, we really don't expect, we expect you to go buy it, have your team buy it, do the research, see what the gaps are, highlight that in your next campaign, be like the politicians in the world and be like, you want a, a product that does this? But you see, do that. that's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I, I felt the clapback could have been better marketed. You, there were even, if you think about even some of the cell phone companies back in the day, they used to make commercials that aired on national television that told the story of how they are better than the obvious competitor, right? And they would go at each other just on front street. So that, that I feel is better produced. So we'll see. I mean, I guess it's uh, it's early in the game for them to enter it. I respect what he's doing. I like the idea of, Hey, it's your category. You were first there, claim it, rep it, do your thing. But we're just to go back to your original, you know, point that you brought in about investing 70% of your budget. Um, I'm surprised you didn't bring up the Kanye thing. Did you see that whole piece about him spending the entire budget of the essentially what he produced. There was nothing that went into production of the commercial. It was just went to the ad spot during the Super Bowl. That 30 seconds. My question second is, did it phone. show up in the Super Bowl? Well, apparently it showed up in certain markets. Not, oh. not, not, not everywhere. I mean, yeah, I didn't see it. I mean, I was, I was watching the Super Bowl. I, that would have been an obvious thing. So um, that's interesting, but. No, my, my question would be, did it actually show up? Because I've asked multiple people and I'm like, did, did you see the, the thing? If it didn't, it's still very genius. The mm -hmm. fact that you could sit here and say, hey, I bought it, uh, an ad, a $7 million ad, and I didn't have enough. So let me look like the old man who's grabbing the phone and 
talking to you and putting the phone too close to me and just saying Yeezy.com, go over there. I think that was genius because he knew blogs were going to pick it up, which they did. Everybody picked it up because it looked so trash. It's such like, once again, it's just the the complete opposite. It's horrible, right? Boom. It made what 19 mil you you supposedly and like i said i don't i don't know but you supposedly spend seven mil to make 19 i'm that's i'm that's a good flip that's a a good, now if you have that money praise god you know what i mean mm-hmm. so when yeah no that's real yeah but that's that's kanye kanye is <laughs> whatever now i will say what would have what would really make some difference or who Zuck needs to pay attention to is what OpenAI does. Because OpenAI was the first with the chat GPT and everything like that. And everybody else came out. And there probably is some that are better than chat GPT. They're actually, I mean, they're now saying that Google Gemini is better. They're saying perplexity is better, all that stuff. But the thing that OpenAI does compared to all those other ones is they are continuously coming out with new features. They're continuously upgrading. They're they're allowing uh, people to test it out, show it. They just announced uh, Sora, right, which is a text to video. So mm-hmm. now you could type everything and video is going to come out. And the the quality of that looks amazing. Now, is there other competitors who probably did it first? Yeah, there's Runway ML and there's Pika Labs and there's other ones. But because they are constantly making it a all-in-one ecosystem where you don't have to go all these different places and they're constantly sharing the new the new stuff. They're constantly doing things. Cool. There's not constant updates besides new hardware when it comes to the the meta quest so how are we evolving the product even if it's just updates here and there you're not even announcing the updates yeah when you hear when there's an update for apple everybody hears it ios 18 ios uh 7.4 port 14.248 plus the beta plus all this stuff. Right. You hear about it. You don't hear no updates about no meta quest nothing. Just saying. Okay, I'm done being all passionate about this. I'm I'm done. It's because it was just it was just corny. It was just really like let me be the CEO and say it's not it's not better than mine. Of course, but of course not. Dummy. Whatever. Who cares? No one cares. Anyways, um, <laughs> let's get into the meat and potatoes of the episode, which is the business of the creator economy. Now, with the rise of content creators turned entrepreneurs, everyone is trying to get into the creator economy. People want to know how to use their digital platforms and turn them into ATM machines, which I wouldn't mind either. I ain't gonna hold you. But the creator economy empowers you, the listeners, to monetize creativity, knowledge, and influence. But like any other business, 
there's not only opportunities, there's obstacles, right? We got this clip that really brings that to attention and we're like, okay, we gotta, we gotta talk about this because obstacles like burnout, obstacles like uh, saturation is some of the things that we not only as content creators, but business owners deal with. So check this out. But what I'm seeing and what I've seen every single time is that people burn out and they burn out because they're no longer passionate about their content. And the reason why I say that is because as you grow as an individual, you need to also evolve your content as well, but you need to also diversify your business. So it's not just about content creation. And so for me, it's been about designing product, creating products so that these things can live on past blogilates, um, you know, a legacy brand after I die. Like that is what I'm trying to do. So I think figuring out what that service or what that product is, whether you're using Kajabi um, or, you know, some other platform to sell physical product, like figure out what that is so that you can become more deeply integrated with your customers and with your audience. So the, the question is, how do we be diverse when it comes to our creations, when it comes to like just our path of being on these platforms to be like, okay, I know I got to be on here. Whether we start out as a content creator, whether we are already a business owner turning a content creator, like how do we fully take advantage of the opportunities of the creator economy, but also be aware of the obstacles for it? So. Moose, I, yeah. I would love uh, your take on not only the clip, but just your mm -hmm. thought of where things stand with the business of the creator economy. For sure. I mean, going to the clip directly, it's super relatable, man. I mean, I've talked about this even going back to just previous lives, recent lives where I've talked about, hey, naturally, you're going to get bored of the thing that you started up with. You know, the thing that you first became known for. Sometimes you get bored of that thing. Your your interests grow or you want to move on to different things or even just you in your in your personal life or even your professional life. You grow through different seasons where you're no longer interested in the thing that you started with. So you got to give yourself permission to progress and innovate and do differently. And that's why I found it so relatable to what she was saying, where she really highlighted this idea of go beyond the content and go into products and find ways to create that legacy for yourself beyond just the content. So absolutely brilliant and relatable there. You know, the one thing that, and it's, it's interesting because it's really one part mindset, one part skill development. It's the idea of innovation, you know, to constantly innovate within your niche or within your lane. I know it seems almost like, duh, it's obvious that's something that we all should be doing. But quite frankly, if that's not a part of just your natural wiring or you're around other people who are showing you how it's done or exposing you to it or are pushing you in that direction to think about what's next, what can, how can I do something that isn't just, oh, I'm going in the opposite direction of what's trending from a content perspective, but how can I go in the opposite direction 
or more specifically, how can I go to where things are headed, not where things are right now from a need perspective? When you think about how to actually leverage the opportunities in the creator economy, that's the main thing. So as I think about opportunities now, and you alluded to it, which makes a lot of sense, it's like, yeah, the Vision Pro is super early, but guess what? For some creators or people in the creator economy, that's a lane for opportunity, especially when you when you take the backing of an Apple who you know is super cash rich, they're gonna put billions of dollars into R&D for you. If you attach yourself to something like that, and can really become an expert in it, I bet there is some opportunity for some creators to figure out a way to enter into that space. I mean, you talked about it, you said, hey, I got the product, but ironically, there is not a lot of apps. There's not a lot of things to do with it. So guess what? If you're someone who has that experience or can expand and take your creativity into the world of AR, or uh, uh, is it AR? Did I say it right? I don't think so. VR. VR, VR, AR situation. Yeah. Yeah, so, so, so if, if you take, if you take your talents into that world or partner with someone who does, I think there's some backing there. So it takes that kind of mindset skill set to look into the future and take what you're doing and look at how you can pair it into the back of something else that complements it creates a little bit more of, of leverage and diversity for you. So you're not just building deeper into the content game. Be like, I, I, I think content is great, but definitely over the last 12 or 14 months, I've also realized that you can't just be content rich. You have to have other verticals or avenues or assets that can help you to, you know, pull those different levers. When you look at a Mr. Beast, the reason why he's done it so successfully is he's content rich, but now he's also building infrastructure, product distribution rich as well. And then you look at that and you look at that machine and you're saying, dang, no wonder this guy can really pump out and, and have massive impact. First YouTuber to be, you know, uh, estimated to have a billion dollar, basically brand value or brand equity. So it's incredible, but I do want to highlight that idea of innovation, half mindset, half skill set has to be built and and to look at it and think about it from your seat where you're sitting as it relates to your creative gift or intellect or whatever it is. What can you then back yourself into on something that's a little bit more diverse, but can just go go to where things are headed? That's that's how I see it, Nick, from an opportunity standpoint. I was just checking to see if, uh, hmm, that was weird. Let's see what the views were to that Mr. Beast thing, and it's gone. That's strange. Mm. Okay. But um, I love how you brought Mr. Beast as a, as, you know, kind of like that ideal person that's in the creator economy. I, I also think of people like uh, Wall Street Trapper, right, where he took his knowledge created content around it has a podcast around it multiple pieces of content on instagram TikTok, and now has monetized it to different courses to different events he did a tour you know he also has sponsorships for his podcast so he's not only uh making money from it from a platform standpoint but he's also doing it from the sponsorship situation i think of uh, of course, Sean Kennel with with Think Media, with how they make 
over six figures with affiliate marketing, right? By just going over certain products, camera stuff, lighting. And because their platform gets so many views, not only does it make money from AdSense, but it also makes money from the affiliate marketing situation. They have their own courses. They have their own mentorships. And then uh, recently, Kai Sinat with uh, not only his rise of making a guap of money from his subscribers from Twitch, but now his partnerships, he just got signed to Nike. He's the first streamer to be signed to Nike. So we look at all these different things as far as opportunities when it comes to the creator economy. So there's diverse in, in, you know, revenue streams. So as we heard with the success stories, you got things like ads, sponsorships, affiliate marketing, you have merch, you have the subscription model, courses, products. Those are different ways to, you know, diversify your income. But when we also think about the opportunities of the creator economy, we also got to think about how the, the low barrier of entry, right? Where if you think about when we just go straight into business, you just heard with Olipop, Cost a hundred k to start out. Ain't nobody really got a hundred k in their pocket on a regular smegular day, right? But if you start with the creator economy with the low entry of like just free ninety nine, getting on these digital platforms, creating content, uh, growing an audience to then build into a business, right? right. Um, because I, I think the model that we preach is more of start it here to then grow there, right? So start with the with the making money from your content. Start with merch. Start with different digital products to then have a company that does physical products, that does things that can scale on a do software, all those great stuff. But with the creator economy, it starts with a, a low entry. Also, another opportunity we got to look at is the direct audience engagement. There's no middleman, right? You are allowed to, with one post, talk to millions of people, even if you want to do ads on it and put money toward it. You speak to millions of people, right? Not every uh, economy, not every job, not every business structure allows you to do that, right? And then another opportunity that doesn't necessarily get talked about, mainly in the entrepreneurship realm, but since content creators are now turning into entrepreneurs, the flexible work arrangements. I, I can make a I can make a video any time of the day. There's not a specific time, or even specific time I got to post. I could. It's super flexible, but. What I really want to go over is the obstacles because saturation is not just a word for content. It is a word for business, right? right. You're in, when we think about uh, the fitness world, right? Everybody is a physical trainer, right? Everybody uh, 
at a certain point was making masks during the, the pandemic, right? So it wasn't, if you started early, that was cool. But when you got later, it was a little, was a little crazy, right? So saturation is one of those things that we look at. And even in the conversation that we had with the Vision Pro and everything, we have to look at, when we look at those obstacles, how do, how do we fix that? So saturation just goes more of, you're doing exactly the same thing. What makes us unique? So when we're looking at the business side of things, what would make us look unique in front of our audience, right? Because when we are unique and we're standing out, this is how certain things that we could scale. Now, I would love your take on the saturation side from a business. Cause I could, of course I could talk from a creator side of like the branding and the content and making sure that and, and, and your brand voice and everything like that. But from a business side, how do you see saturation? Yeah. I mean, everyone is looking to scale through teaching, right? Mm -hmm. at, at least in the info info space, everyone's looking to scale through teaching. So if a physical trainer has been training for two years where a normal path would take somebody say 10 years to really grow and scale their business. They're just saying, no, you know what, rather than me continuing to train clients, I'm going to focus on teaching other trainers how to grow their business. And I'm going to grow my business through that. So I think you've seen a lot of what feels like a saturated marketplace, not because of people filling the services, but because they're trying to meet the need while simultaneously convert other people to jump into that lane with them. So that's part of, it's almost like a jaded, saturated space because at the end of the day, you're still going to have three to five people in every lane that really dominate that space. And then a lot of people who take up market share across the board, but people who can become dedicated enough to jump in a lane and just provide the service and stay dedicated and disciplined to the actual fulfillment piece. Not many, I don't want to say not many people, but there's less and less people who I feel are going away from that, at least in the online space in, in terms of education or whatnot. So I, I, I see that being one of those obstacles as well. And then of course, I have to always bring out talent. Mm -hmm. The, 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 concept of being able to attract quality talent and build a solid team to help you to truly scale from a side hustle, a business or online little thing that you got going on to a true company that operates and functions as one. It's very difficult to do so. For one, there's a lot of opportunities. There's so many different opportunities people can choose from now, right? Heck, there's people who are just like, yo, screw it. I'm going to just do a little Uber and Uber Eats, whatever, as my, because I don't want to work for no one. Like people... Mm -hmm. This idea of, oh, but that looks like it's the bottom of the bed. And they're like, no, I can work when I want. So there's so many different opportunities that that kind of stuff takes away from talent. So you either have to put up some serious money, right? Six figures and above and whatnot to attract top tier talent. But you have to collaborate with contractors who can also still be relatively expensive, especially if you're talking about great caliber people. So that's where it forces people back into solopreneurship. So I think those two obstacles specifically are more so really just that team and talent piece 
that that I don't see an immediate fix for, or it's one of the challenges that arise. You know, a lot of people look at AI and automation and think that's going to be the thing that's going to wash away. I know this idea uh, that is floating around that AI and automation is going to replace people and the world is just going to function by itself. And it's like, guys, I, I get what you're saying, but no, I don't similar to Vision Pro. It's not quite there yet. Mm -hmm. And I don't see it happening any real time soon. And by any real time soon, I mean in three to five years, I, I don't think that it's going to completely erase a workforce or, you know, 50% of the workforce in specific areas. So team and talent is, is a major obstacle when, when I look at that for scale purposes, right? For, for, for real scale purposes. I know some people enjoy the solopreneurship route. They're like, no, matter of fact, I don't want to deal with a team. Let me, let me work by myself. So, mm -hmm. um, but, but, but I always think of, you know, true company structures, um, to function as a team. And I know talent acquisition is a major component of that. Yeah. I love how you brought up, you know, the, the keyword of AI, is it going, it is, I will say to some, it could be a obstacle if you're not investing in learning how it could integrate into right. your business. Right. right. Where if you're going to be just like, oh, it's not going to, you know, everybody's still going to want humans when it comes, especially into the creator economy. There's already a lot of faceless channels that are making a lot of money that have then turned into definite uh, physical products or SaaS that it is something that you do want to talk about. You do want to keep uh, a tab on so but this is where just integrating it and informing yourself is what's going to also help I all these different obstacles that has been mentioned is a solution to it well another obstacle is like algorithm dependency like a lot of people uh when it comes to the creator economy is dependent on views likes plays shares all that great stuff things that we definitely can't control which would then create uh income instability right but if you are already ahead of the game of i already have to take my community off my audience off social media and have them on an email list have them already with the product with the service with whatever that we've created and not necessarily depend on the communication of the algorithm, the results of the algorithm, then we're good. Because if we only depend on that, just like how she said, then we talk about burnout. I'm only creating in order to keep these type of numbers where I've right. not created a safety net of getting offline. And what does my offline look like? And I, I, I do believe offline looks different for many people because offline literally can be in-person events, in-person experiences. You know, offline could be off just social media and doing other things. But when we are talking about majority of the obstacles when it comes to the creator economy, it always nine out of 10 times goes towards the dependency of these digital platforms. Another Another one is like, YouTube uh, a bit back did a super policy change right on cursing. So if you were cursing in your 
your video, like at a certain time, majority of your, your videos got demonetized. That took a hit for a lot of creators, especially if you're only depending on AdSense, right? And looking at the obstacles, it's just more of, okay, I need to learn the business side. I need to uh, get really savvy on really building out something, allowing the beginning part of what we talked about to be the gateway, right? The gateway into what an empire is supposed to be. But with opportunity, there's always obstacles. And I just have to be aware of these particular ones because there's going to be more obstacles. Even when I get out of the creator economy obstacles, now right. I'm going into the full-blown business obstacles of like, oh, snap, what do, what do I do? Because the great thing about when you go into the business side of it, one of the obstacles nine out of 10 times that regular companies and business have is the branding and marketing. That's an opportunity for you now. Mm -hmm. I just talked about it with Mr. Beats. He did a whole commercial. When I saw it, it was already at 700K views. Wow. It was only out for like, I don't know, I think an hour or two. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah, that's massive. I'm just saying. But um, when we look at the creator economy, I just want you guys, guys and gals. Okay, I don't want to say just guys. But everybody to look at, all right, I need to make this, what I'm doing on these digital platforms as a business. I can post, but I'm not posting to be a starving artist. I'm not posting just for the likes and the follows because at the end of the day, that's almost a waste of time because you're now depending on the platforms to give you your hopes and dreams, right? Where now, when I think of it of like a business, I'm now being intentional with the content that I put out. I'm now being intentional with the collaborations that I have. I'm now being intentional with looking at Okay, I always hear seven streams of income. Oh my God, I need to do that. Well, at least let me do it in this in this way. Let me get my affiliate marketing up. Let me get merch going on. Let me get my own community. Let's so the subscription route. Let me get uh, my own digital products. Let me get some in-person events, virtual events, get some challenges, however we want to go about it. But then what is the true business model or is there business models within each one? Right. There's a business model in the subscription. We we went over that in one of the podcasts, right? There's a subscription mod model for courses. There's a subscription model for digital products, merch. There's funnels for everything. Like, so figuring out the the different business models that you have, but when what is the one that you are creating a legend? Uh, a legacy brand off of there has to at least be one right. that doesn't require you yeah 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 and and the cool thing too that i like about this idea of not requiring you i don't know if, if those of you listening may may have felt the same way but i always used to feel that that meant that has to mean automation mm -hmm. but now i'm also realizing that that can also mean team right team can help reduce your level of 
uh, dependency or codependency in a brand or business that you're building. So um, I'm, I'm curious to, uh, or I'm going to wait until we talk about the creator styles here in a minute, because I just thought about it as we were going through and I'm like, man, I think I know I'm already, I'm already gearing up to change question of the week. I'm just letting, I'm just letting y'all know right now I'm gearing up to, to add a little twist to it because I believe there's a style that I can throw in there. Um, you know, just for, for some people looking for an opportunity in the space, but nonetheless, um, yeah, I think, uh, that, that, that piece is, is super important. Thanks. Now, this next segment, I'm not even going to say it's the question of the week. I think we just need to go over the different styles of how to be a part of the creator economy. Right. And just getting you guys aware of it, because I do believe not everybody is the creator type Correct. person. Right. So we we stated earlier that you may be the business owner that needs to jump into this creator economy. You may need to be other different styles. So let, let me set it up. Right. First and foremost, uh, this segment is sponsored by Flight Assessment. Flightassessment.com. Discover your personal superpower. Learn how to use your superpower to become a master communicator. Strengthen all your relationships and develop the self-awareness you need to fulfill uh, to, to fulfill your highest potential. Flightassessment.com. Now, uh, I saw this clip that broke down the creator economy perfectly, right? Uh, I even stopped it, got some screenshots of breaking down each type. So let me just jump into the clip and then we're going to have our grand conversation. People are making insane amounts of money following one of three of these paths in the creator economy. First, the artist. Second, the entrepreneur. Third, the alliance. There's people killing it in all three. So the question is, which path are you on? So let's break down each of these paths, right? So we have the artist, which was known as like the creator, right? So it's creators selling themselves. So we have brand deals and advertisers, licensing viral videos for brands to get used as ads. And they get a percentage of that. Moving into paid communities, uh, possible course launches to to the audience. And then the point of, of the business is to support the content and the art. Then we have the entrepreneur, which is the business owners building audiences. So that's existing biz businesses. Businesses come before the audience. Sounds like the Ruben situation, but we will talk about that. Founder-led brands uh, able to invest into content teams from the business revenue, a.k.a. Alex Hermosi, right? And the point of the content is to support the businesses. And then we have... The Alliance, which is creators partnering with the operators, which is launching service and products businesses that solve problems for an existing audience, leverage existing distribution to growth hacks, hacks, uh, creator focus on creating and bringing leads, and the operator builds and runs the business. Both parties hold ownerships and stay true uh, in their lane. So, one... I think the third one was more of like a strategy than necessarily a type. I will say that. Um, but I, I'm going to go more with with the two because 
one with the creator, which is what like I'll normally talk about and kind of hint at more is what I believe the younger generation needs to hear more about. Right. Where the entrepreneur is definitely like a millennial Gen Z situation where we're looking at, I have a business and I cannot fight that I have to get part of the creator economy. Like I have to jump into this content lane. I have to figure out campaigns. I have to figure out marketing. I have to figure out how to work and, and become this personal brand um, to be able to bring awareness to my business, to set a foundation that's already bringing money in with my business. But then when I hit a ceiling, let let's, let me now become the personal brand. Cause that's, that's how I feel. And, and I actually wanted to talk to you about that. Is it, is it that, because I think of a Jamal, a person who didn't and probably still doesn't need it. Um, a person who doesn't need social media. Right. But now when I'm bringing awareness to s certain things that I'm doing mm -hmm. now, let me become the personal uh, brand right now. I, my businesses just need an extra level of traffic. Let me do it in this way. Is that kind of what happens? I think I think this takes more of the path of Gary Vee's original strategy or the line that he became known for, which is document don't create. So for entrepreneurs who already have businesses that are well established, they're cash flowing and they're doing well. I don't think any business owner in their rightful mind will tell you that they don't want more business, more clients, more customers, you, you know, more traffic, essentially. So once they start to see and get a feel for how to do social med media in a way that's authentic to them, to do content in a way that allows them to embody their own voice, right? Or, or really know how to speak as them and not as someone they saw online. That's where you start to see entrepreneurs really start to fall in love with the content game because it's a natural progression and a documentary of the things that you're already doing. So th that's where I see someone like Maul. Maul is just really highlighting the stuff that he's always done and is continuing to do now. And he's just taking you on a journey to show you what that path is like. So I think entrepreneurs who enter the space, at least with that path in mind, they really gain traction and win rather quickly because it's a space, it's a piece that's missing, right? You're teaching through experience, not through theory and just concepts. So I think that becomes a lot really refreshing for the audience too. Yeah, but I think of, I think of like Grant Cardone, Brad Lee, um, Alex Ramosi, where it's not necessarily uh documenting they're literally creating you know i mean like now they're creating based off their experiences i will say that um right. and so that that goes goes along a long way so there there probably is instant credibility but there are a lot of now business owners doing i just saw uh shout out shout out to alex good energy he did what five steps to get into trucking like he's creating now there's a good balance of of let's say documenting and creating on on purpose but mm. i do believe 
that business owners are now starting to create rather than the the document and let's do the Gary V side. And I and I almost and maybe because the Gary V side does not work for everyone. Yeah. It doesn't because your life has to you have to to go back to our original point in this episode, you have to know how to market and brand even your quote unquote documented lifestyle in a way that becomes attractive and and captures people's attention because you could be documenting your life, but you're not making it compelling enough to the viewers. And people are like, what's the point of me watching this? Mm-hmm. Now, I think the, the, the part about the Bradleys and some of these other people who are entering the space or have been in the space, but entrepreneurs turned content creators in a sense, they're just seeing how much profit is in the education space, especially the online education space. And so as natural A-type business people or just business people in general, they're like, oh, I'm not about to pass up on this opportunity. If people already trust me and I have the attention, then let's go kill it. But Grant Cardone, if you go back, like I remember first getting onto Grant Cardone when he was a sales trainer, when he was doing really more so sales stuff. And um, so like to see what, what he's doing today, where he's pretty much built a full blown education you know, platform behind it uh, is, is a, is a, is a big turnaround, but it was people on the sales floor. And I think that still exists today, but all in all, I just think there's so much profit in the space, especially when done correctly, that it becomes a no brainer for some people to enter. But then you look at a, like a Mark Zuck, he's not getting into the educational side of things as far as he's not jumping into courses. He's not jumping right. into events. And if it's events, it's to announce different products. Right. 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 Um, so, and, and that's more what I mean. Like there's, there's, and maybe because we're in the world of the education, that's all we see, but I'm also seeing all these other personal brands that are popping up that are just like, Hey, I got a car deal detailing situation. And mm-hmm. so here I am showing you, but also telling you the different, you know, uh, things to take care of your car. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Not to sell uh, courses, but more to bring leads to my particular business. Right. And, and that's just, the, I think, a reaction to the pretty much the dynamic in today's marketplace. Like consumers want to feel that they have or know about the CEO of these brands that they're engaging with. And so mm-hmm. Elon has done it. I don't think I've ever seen a Tesla commercial ever. So Elon has put millions of Teslas on the road with no commercials, but I think it's really powered by his personal brand. I don't know, maybe I could be wrong, but like on some know. form of at, like, right? I can't, Good I can't question. think of one. And so it makes me feel as though Zuck stepping out there, you know, others who are doing it, whether they're big corporate execs or just people who are small to mid-sized founders and entrepreneurs, small business owners, it's just the natural reaction. One thing too that I also want to make sure I mention, 
that whether you have a fancy title like a CEO or you are just a business owner or an entrepreneur, at the end of the day, these are all titles that have the biggest responsibility of driving revenue. And I saw something that said CEOs are chief revenue officers. Like that's their goal. It's not, it's not this like cool thing that you get to sit behind. Your, your, your job is still to drive revenue as the CEO. That's what you are. Like you, you have to drive sales. So yeah, people are realizing, oh, okay. If CEOs like the uh, CEO of Instagram, I, I, I actually like his personal brand and his approach with the platform and the creators and showing people the behind the scenes. So all in all, I'm saying, I think just the dynamic today, trust is important. FaceTime and showing that human connection is also important and it builds the rapport that essentially translates to revenue. So I, I think that's why some of these corp corporate CEOs are jumping out front and becoming more available and accessible. Yeah, I think because a brand needs a company needs a personality, right? Yeah. Um, but there is still ways to bring personality without necessarily the CEO coming to be its own personal brand. So mm -hmm. I, I think a big, a big example is like Wendy's. Wendy's does it all the time, and it's hilarious. There was one. Oh, they were on Threads. It was like a. Um, it's like a lotion. Hold on. And they were big. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it real quick. Uh, was C-E-R-A-V-E. -E. How do you pronounce that? C-E. What is that? C-E-R. C-E-R-A-V-E. Uh, is that like the lotion brand or something yes. like that? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. So they're killing it lately because so like in the Super Bowl. So it's a lotion, right? So they made content of taking the lotion out and putting like dipping sauce for your your chips in it. Great product placement. But then uh, they did one that was like talking to Sierra. It was like, hey, Sierra, what are you up to uh, in this time next year? We have an idea. And they call it like Sierra V, right? Mm. To go along with their brand. And... I, I posted it. I was like, yo, whoever's running this account is amazing. Genius. Because yeah, it brings it for companies like that, you know, unless the CEO is going to come out and be like, hey, I'm let me be the the personality here, like a, a Mark and, and and Elon in situation, then you have to rely on how do I build a personality within my digital mm -hmm. platforms, right? So, and I think that's, that's a way that doesn't necessarily get talked about a lot that can still get into the Absolutely. creator economy, right? Um, like we, we've gone over Crumble, Crumble Cookie, where they allow their experiences to kind of be the personality and then allowing the influencers to do that, Right. Um, now it's, it's a, an event to go on Monday, get all the cookies, do taste testing, boom, boom, boom. Um, and allowing other personalities, other situations be the voice and the brand and the brand for them. But e e either way, right. W what I like about 
the one thing I, I wish there was more information about would be the alliance, right? Where the creators pre partnering with the operators, because I do believe that is something that needs to be a thing. Like there, I wish there was a community of just like, where are all my uh, creators and where's all my operators? And let's pair you guys together. If anybody could do that, uh, please do that. I would join that community ASAP, right? Because yeah. um, that's why I was like, I don't find this necessarily a type. I find this a strategy that would be crazy because we've we've heard it with Mr. Beast and his and his operator, right? Um, Nelk Boys done that too. They have operated this. So there's just a person that just work works about the business side, right? But when we're we're talking about the entrepreneur, uh, all of it just you don't from the first one of the of the artist to the entrepreneur, nothing of it says anything of revenue wise besides the business. Mm -hmm. I'm only here for the business. Okay. Right. Even the first thing it says, uh, business comes before the audience. I'm not here for y'all. I'm here mm -hmm. for the business. Right now. The, the question I have is thinking like that. How do you, if it's saying building audiences, business owners, building audiences, but you're not here for, the audience you're here for mm. the business how right. do you gain an audience if you're not here for the audience yeah it's a, it's 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 a very uh self self-centered selfish mm -hmm. i don't want to yeah. i'm trying to find a better word than that but yeah it's a it's a very one-way street it's like hey i'm only trying to build an audience for the sake of my business i i won't i won't do it for the sake of anything else and if at any point the business is not benefiting from this, I'm going to stop. You know, that <laughs> I think it can be pretty straightforward with that. So I can, I can see that being the mentality of people who come on, you know, the creator economy strictly for the business. I guess it's so, it's so, it's, it's so weird to say it's like a, I'm building for businesses. I'm building for, uh, an audience, but I'm not here for the audience. Yeah. Yeah. And it could be also an extreme, right? Cause I think also everyone who runs a business knows that you have to take care of the people. Yes. So maybe, maybe they're not looking at the audience at large. Maybe they want to take care of people who become customers mm -hmm. rather than just the, the audience up from a general standpoint. So I, I think that could be a slight differentiation there, but yeah, you, you can't say you want to build a business without caring about people too. So that, that has to be taken with a grain of salt. That's fair. That's fair. I don't know. Uh, what do you find a gap with the the creator side or well, the, the artist side or the entrepreneurship? Do you find a gap in either or or do you find a gap in both? Uh, what do you mean by gap? Like uh, in the way they operate? And, yeah, or? in the way that they operate. Well, well, I think the the main thing is that the artist there's a certain there's a certain superpower giftedness that has to lie there they're more rare i think that's the real way to say it like true artists 
Um, there's a lot of talented people in the world who have incredible talents, but the creative artist from that standpoint, the 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 one who can rock out the camera, rock out the mic, et cetera, with 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 their with what they do, I think they're a little bit more rare. Mm -hmm. So the only gap there is I think sometimes there's an authenticity battle that happens in that because some might stretch and I'm not trying to demotivate or you know, say anything about people's dreams in a sense, but I think sometimes people try and stretch themselves to be artists when that's not truly who they are. So there's a little bit of authenticity lacking slash pressure there that happens. So I think that that could be the gap there. But from uh, an entrepreneurship side, yeah, being being money hungry, I think that that is also a bit of a challenge there because at the end of the day, I'm, I'm just a little bit concerned about that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's one thing to want to help. It's another thing to just put the numbers ahead of every other metric that's important and say, I want money above all else. And quite frankly, just from some conversations that I've had, I can see people willing to go to some pretty serious heights to get that lifestyle that has the cars and the houses and the and 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 blasted on front street too like mm -hmm. like not even on some private oh yeah i want a nice car privately that i can enjoy no it's like no i, I don't want the car if i can't post it it's, it's like <laughs> there's some people who are like no I, I want the car so i can post it i want the hat i want that and so i think that you got to push to some pretty extreme limits so um there's not enough detail that showcases what has to happen to go from multi seven figures to eight figures, let alone, I don't think how much, I don't think people really realize how much goes into seven figures alone. Yeah. That, that alone is an incredible accomplishment. So yeah, you guys, people can call it inflation and things are cool, but guys, a million dollars is still a heck of a feat. All right. So yeah, I think the the idea of having these cars and private jets and this and this and that, cool, man. Some people love it and then um, no shots fired at all, but I'm just saying there's not enough detail that goes into the multiplier effect of one, two, five, ten. There's a lot of levels between that. The facts. These are facts. Uh, before I close this conversation, I did like there was there's one thing I said on the bottom of the thing where it was like, uh, literally, if you remove the creator, there's no more business. Mm -hmm. Right. Where with the entrepreneur, there's already a business story removing you, you remove the creator and you just may affect the, the marketing side of things, right. but you're not going to necessarily affect the the business so i i suggest that everybody gets into the creator economy because you might as well take advantage of it right but what are the steps that you're you're taking in order to create that legacy brand that business that doesn't necessarily need you to run and though Everything seems amazing right now for the creator economy. If Mr. Beast was to 
if something was to happen, God forbid, not saying it would take a hit. Some things would really take a hit. Now he's created, he's creating a le legacy brand. And so there's some things that won't take a hit, but there's some things that will. And so you have to look at it and be like, if I was to go, would some things really take a hit? Will all things really take a hit? So keep that in mind. Your final words right there, Nix. I mean, uh, of course, got to say uh, shout out to our Patreon users, especially our creator Rav people. So that's like Billy, Teresa. We got Brittany. We got Katrina. We got created uh, uh, to elevate Vaughn. We got uh, Miss Taylor, because I'm not going to say her first name because I feel like I'm going to mess it up, even though it looks very simple. I'm not even going to mess it up. I don't, I don't want to do that. So uh, patreon.com slash Nikki and me, Nikki and Moose. Bleh, can't even talk. Uh, or just go on Patreon and just look up Nikki and Moose. $4 a month, 13 cents a day for just to even see the after show. Okay, because that's literally content therapy business therapy that happens over there. So go do that. Uh, of course, as said in the segment, flightassessment.com. Moose, what do you guys got over there in, in extreme execution? I'm getting emails. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah I mean, uh, Flight Assessment Fridays is uh, is still popping out. So we deliver value on, on those Friday emails. That's uh, that's the main that's the main jump right now. There's There's some... There's some rumors that some some things might be coming back out on Front Street. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll leak them as they come for sure. I will okay. leak them as they come. Yeah, I like that. And then, uh, of course, uh, Deeper Than The Brand, DeeperThanTheBrand.com. Uh, AI Toolkit is a vibe. Five Course Bundle is a vibe. Uh, and bare minimum, jump on my newsletter. Hello. Can come you do that? Content Corner. It's a really uh. good newsletter extremely good i just don't know if you know that but it's extremely good but anyways moose final words yeah i feel like i gotta bring back the word around consistency you know uh more and more i'm realizing that consistency is the ability to do the same thing every day and the same thing said loosely but it's super important so you can't be consistent if you get bored or if, that's, if at least that's what you say to yourself, right? You got to find a way to push through whatever feels like monotony or boredom so that you can become consistent. So you can't be consistent without doing the same thing every day. <laughs>